everyone. I'm Betsy. And I'm Greg. And we want to invite you to check out our podcast, Going On 30. Each month, Betsy and I take a look back at a movie that was released 30 years ago that was either nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture. We talk about the legacy of the film, choose the best scenes and performances, and explore our own hot takes about the movie. And we discuss the greatness of Tom Cruise, an actor oh, who has graced our screens for multiple decades, taking on some of the most artistically challenging pursuits while displaying what can only be described as an everyman relatability. An actor, nay, a thespian, who pushes oh. the boundaries of what the medium is capable of while revealing the humanity that's underlying. All right, all I'm of- done. I cannot, I cannot tolerate this anymore. So listen to Going on 30 every month right here on the Popping Collar Speed, wherever you get your podcast. I love you, Tom. Oh, jeez. I'm Greg Knight. Hey, I'm Ryan Parker. And this is PCTV, a popping color side project where we randomly select current TV show that you should be streaming right now. Uh, what did I say? Okay. Ryan and I have each picked six shows. <laughs> I lost my place there for a second. All right. Take two. Ryan and I have each picked six shows from the top streaming apps, including Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, Max, Prime Video, and Apple TV Plus. And this month, we're talking about the Netflix series Beef. Amy, are you okay? Yep. I've been hustling my whole life. And look where it's gotten me. what those people are so angry about. Bitch-ass handyman pissing on my hardwood floor? This is European. Oh, come on. I found ways to manage my stress. You're born, make choices, and suddenly you're here. This is fun. Maybe we're not normal. Maybe normal people are just delusional. 
You started this. Me? Yeah. Okay, you're the one who backed into me like a psycho. You're the one that flipped me off all roided out and sh- Hey! Are you guys leaving or are you just gonna sit there? What'd you say? What'd you say? Say it again! I dare you to say it again! Uh, Ryan, I have a brief description of this movie. Would you, uh, movie. It is like a movie, but it's it actually a TV show. I have a brief description of movie. Yeah. It could have been, it may have been better as a movie. It was probably, you know what? It has the smell of like a movie script, like a, a feature script, doesn't it? Because there's some elements to it that's, well, we'll get, to, it's my favorite, one of my favorite series, if not my favorite series of the year so far. That's right. Two people let a road rage incident burrow into their minds and slowly consume their every thought and action. Hey, is it just me or has every log line you've read about every series we've talked about sucked? Like, <laughs> right? Like, they're not, you, you would never watch any of the shows we talk about if all you ever did was say, well, this is the show. You know, it's hard to it's hard to narrow these things down to a sentence, especially a TV show. It's hard to it's hard to whittle down to a sentence. So Fair enough. So Ryan, what do we need to know to round out our our description of uh beef here? Well, let's just start off with themes. We're gonna dig into them later, but yeah, it's about that thing. That's the inciting incident, and it happens in the first couple of minutes of episode one. And what happens is it's not just like a, a road incident, you know, it is uh, a road rage incident. I mean, it is rage to the nth degree because these people yeah. are going nuts. I've never, I've, I have had road rage, not like this, you know, I've never <laughs> followed somebody to their home or right. you know, defecated in their house or what have you. There's always something. But it's about that. It's about how I think it's a bit of a commentary on rage culture. So right. that is certainly the first thing. But it's about so much more than that, right? It's about immigrants, uh, the immigrant yeah. experience. It's about um, fame or like sense of self in terms of like achievement. Um, uh -huh. And so much of that is tied up in the um, uh, the immigrant experience about being successful making a family, making a way for your family and future generations. Um, it's about wealth and poverty. It's about religion. It's about, it's about all those things. I mean, that, that's a lot there. 
Um, I know you can't put that in a log line, but I think those are the reasons why folks that listen to this podcast, if they haven't tuned into the series, should definitely watch it. Yeah, there's this level of expectation that rests on all of these characters' shoulders, and they they just kind of carry all of these expectations around like weights. Uh, and yeah. that's uh, yeah, and so much of that is born out of uh, a cultural experience, um, a, a way of being that is, I think, in some ways alien to, but also somewhat familiar to the the context that you and I are from. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much of that that's like the birth order is such an important plays an important role in these situations, especially with weight that people mm-hmm. carry expectation you know, being the firstborn or the secondborn and what that allows you or doesn't allow you to do. Um, so, yeah. And, th- and just having lived in Los Angeles for as long as we did in California, for that matter, right. uh, and how influential Christianity has become in the Korean American population in, in bigger cities and how that is a, kind of a center of, of life and, and, and the ways that it is for a lot of people in the South where I grew up. Yeah, you know that yeah. your your social your kind of social identity and and your life kind of revolves around the church. And I do, I want to talk about more talk about that more in a moment. But yeah, I think there's there are definitely things about the series that are unique to its Korean American context, but that also kind of find echoes in in some of the places you and I know a little bit yeah. better. Yeah, I think that's totally right. You know, the reason that I even picked this show to begin with, because originally I think I was planning on talking about Sandman as my Netflix show. And there was a there was a weekend where I just ripped off like every episode of beef, like over the span of, I don't know, like three or four hours, because this is the sneaky thing about the show. And this is the new sort of landscape of television. Right. Is that for years and years and years while we were growing up dramas were expected to be an hour and sitcoms were expected to be 30 minutes. Right. And you never really got these things mixed up. Like, like if you had something that had sort of pathos, high emotion, all of that stuff, that was an hour long show. And if you were just looking to kill time for 30 minutes, that was a comedy and that was a 30 minute show. And what, what beef is doing is sort of in the same vein as the bear, which is giving you a really dense, like drama slash comedy, but only like a little bit of comedy. And most of these episodes, mostly drama in like these really tight 30 minute episodes. And they're just designed to binge. They're just designed to like get through as quickly as possible because you just want to know what the next chapter in the book is, you know? Super sophisticated storytelling. I'm glad you talked about The Bear. We just finished season two. If I could make an appeal for a second Hulu show, uh, it would be The Bear season two. One of the best things I've seen since Beef. I mean, I I, I, I think The Bear is, is brilliant for a lot of the reasons you just said. But you, I've seen it a little bit too in um, Hijack on Apple TV Plus right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Secret Invasion on Disney Plus, all dramas, all living in that kind of 30 to maybe 40 minute window. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. And I, I think in a show like 
the beef where it's so conflict driven where you are beef, excuse me. I'm, I say the beef because there's a great comic series called the beef um, graphic novel series. Um, right. But in a, in a show like beef or excuse me, hijack, they're so conflict driven. Right. And so it's so easy to have that um, cliffhanger element to it. Uh, yeah. That, that kind of keeps you doing yeah. exactly what you did right over a weekend. And that's the thing that really grabs you about the show is that if you do binge it, then you recognize that each episode like escalates the stakes. Like the stakes go higher and higher and higher and higher until like the roof explodes, like literally <laughs> kind of off of the place. Right. And then the most beautiful thing happens, which is you have this cathartic sort of penultimate episode only to have an entire 30 minute episode, the last episode of the show to reflect on what you just went through for the previous nine. And that's the, that's the beauty of the show. In my opinion, everything builds up to that last episode which is 180 degrees from what the show was leading up to that last episode. So what are your hot takes, general thoughts uh, on the, on the show right out of the bat? I don't, I don't have a hot take other than I just think it's great. I think it's one of the best shows. I mean, we're, I want to get into some other things in a, in a minute, but nothing that I would qualify as a, as a hot take. Yeah. I think for me, it's, it just all comes down to casting. Like, Stephen Yun and Ali Wong are the stars of the show. And both of them are incredible. Like the, the level of chemistry, the, um, you know, these are two separate storylines that we're following that interweave with each other periodically. And it's just, it's, it's just such, I mean, it's, it goes back again to like the, the TV shows that we keep coming back to, um, and keep raving about are the ones where the casting is just spot on. And you realize like you put these two characters together and you just sort of sit back and watch and see what happens. Right. And I don't know. I think that that's what TV is now. Like, I don't know that plot drives television shows as much as characters, actors embodying characters drive shows nowadays. Somebody at work yesterday said that um, if sometimes it feels like streaming is just nothing but glorified TikTok, right. and I don't, I don't know if I go that far, but I kind of get the sentiment. And it's it, to me, it just seems like the storytelling is important, but increasingly, when you talk about film and television, you have to ask the question: Who's in it? Yeah, especially from a marketing perspective, and it's clear that that doesn't work anymore i think you have to have the right people in it and when you have the right people in it it's going to generate the buzz that you need to get people to watch it Mm -hmm. i don't think that you can simply say this is a bad example but i'm not going to see indiana jones in the dial of destiny to see harrison ford anymore right you know i that that, that's not the perfect example but i think it works a little bit but i'm gonna watch i know who steven yen is i'm gonna watch him work in anything Mm mm-hmm there's a version of this show that works with 10 other people maybe, but this is what we've got. And to your point, it's great chemistry. And I think the fact that they're so good together and we can talk right. about how it builds out, especially over the last, you know, three, four episodes, 
I mean, I think that's so I think that's a large part of why a lot of people tuned in. It's certainly it's certainly why it generated the buzz it did, I think. Yeah, I think it's a hard show to stick with. You know, it's not unlike sort of a dramatic version of like a curb your enthusiasm or something. Where it's just like it's got so much cringe factor in a lot of the episodes, right? Where you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe this character's doing this, or I can't believe this character's doing this to that character, you know, that kind of thing. I personally sort of struggled to get through the first couple of episodes where I was just like, oh man, like, is it just going to be more of this? Like, good people who you kind of understand just doing horrible things to each other? Like, is that what this show is? And it takes a little while, I think, to like, kind of live in that world and be okay with it right because like it really does like it like you can feel it in your body when you're watching it of like man am i gonna stick with this because this is like this is tough to watch sometimes and there's an element of that in throughout the series you know there's still that escalation of, of like just being a horrible person to somebody else but yet it's paired with so much more growth and depth and complexity you know yeah. it's not just it's not just a dramatic version of you know jackass if you will or right. a prank show right not that kind of cringe yeah but yeah um all right ryan what is your best scene sequence episode or storyline from beef well uh, I, i'm this may sound like a cop-out especially on a podcast like this but i think anything that's said in church I, oh okay I, Anytime that uh, Steven's character, uh, Danny, is in church, I was just leaning forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to come back to this later because I think this is the theology of it all. But the there's a scene. It's the first scene we see of him in church. And I forget the exact episode. But he's caught up in this praise and worship moment. You know, it's one of these yeah. things where they're singing the same verse 30 times, you know, and kind of hyper evangelical and he gets I watched it and I was like has has he did he grow up in this like the the emotion that he conveyed was beautiful and cringe mm-hmm. at the same time Lord Father God we come to you come Pastor Cowboys we come to you to help us as we are that you can take us in our brokenness and our need and that you meet us here today Lord we ask for your spirit to come and fill this place that we might worship you joyfully with all of our hearts. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling.
role of Christianity in church as means of social advancement more than spirituality or, or theology. Right. Right. Which is why I like I mean, that's scenes. the... So, yeah. yeah. I want to come back from that if you can if you can think, put a pin in that. But yeah, that's why those scenes were... Yeah, two things are, that come up for me uh, from your answer. One is that Stephen Yun was on uh, Mark Maron's podcast uh, when the show first came out. And he talked about growing up in sort of uh, churches with praise bands and stuff like that. So it was like a part of his history. Like it was part of his muscle memory, like being able to go to those places and like sort of really embody like what it's like to sort of be swept up and stuff like that and to perform and stuff like that and all of that. The other thing, though, is that the beauty of that scene is that you don't quite know what his motivation is. Like, is he actually having this sort of spiritual overwhelming moment or is he doing what he thinks people expect him to do so that he can get the job that he needs to get so that he can pay Isaac the money that he needs to pay him. Right. It's as like a construction worker, as a good construction worker, he's laying a good foundation. Right. Exactly. So is he, is he on the up and up or is he a con artist? And that's the question that you just keep asking yourself through the whole show, not only about Danny, but also about Ali Wong's character, right? Like it's this constant back and forth of, um, are they who they appear to be or are they something else, you know? Um, but yeah, for me, uh, I would, I would break it down to an episode. I would break it down to the, to the last episode, you know, without getting into too many spoilers, there's, a, there's a big sort of action piece that happens in the next to last episode, there's like a raid, you know, there's an attempted heist and a raid and the cops show up and there's like all of this stuff happening. And our main characters, Danny and Amy, end up, you know, sort of escaping into the wilderness of where are they? Like in California? Are they in like Southern Cal or something? Yeah, um, it's very SoCal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so they're out in the desert and they're in the middle of nowhere. They're stranded like Danny's car has driven off of a cliff, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and this this rage that they have for each other is is just sort of boiling under the surface of all of their interactions. Um at the in this last episode and yet they end up having this hallucinogenic moment because they eat some bad berries i guess um out out in the wilderness berries that they probably shouldn't have eaten and uh and as a result they're able to experience each other's lives uh like they're able to sort of embody each other and therefore sort of understand each other and th- through that sort of that close empathy that almost like intimate you know letting someone into your private thoughts they're able to break out of this cycle of rage and see each other for the first time in the entire show and it's just it's it's gorgeous like it is absolutely 
beautiful and a perfect payoff to the entire show that you've been watching up to that point. Yeah. I mean, it felt like a sermon and one of the best sermons I'd ever heard, you know, because it wasn't trying to be a sermon. Like it, it, there's such beauty and truth to that. And there's such uh, inspiration in terms of how we, how we may find our own. And I don't use, I I hesitate to use this word, but find our own uh, wholeness or salvation in Mm -hmm. who we think is our enemy. That mm-hmm. they may somehow bring us to a place of peace and a fuller understanding of who we are and our place in the world, and and you bring about. And I know I, I'm kind of joking here, but like, w- what are the means by which we could do that? Is religion one of those things? Possibly. Uh, increasingly, it seems increasingly harder to prove that. Can hallucinogenic drugs do that? Potentially. Can art? I think art can do that. I think watching something together with someone and discussing it can open up that kind of conversation and that experience. But yeah, I thought it's a really good, um, yeah, it's great. That, that episode also made me think of my favorite, one of my favorite films, which is the three burials of Melchiades Estrada, um, with Tommy Lee Jones and a whole host of other great, um, actors. But there's a, there's a profound, a lot of the film takes place in a desert. And although Danny and Amy are only like a few miles off the interstate, if they're even that far removed from society. Right. Uh, they, they feel like they're out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great camera work. And, but they, they, sh- there's a, there's a similarity there. I'd encourage people to watch that film um, because it's, it, it's really kind of an imaginative path to reconciliation um, in a Western that you, you don't often see. And yeah. I think we see that in this, uh, ser- in this episode of the series. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. What is your best performance of the series? Well, I'm cheating because I've seen your notes, so I'm not going to steal your thunder. So I'm going to go somewhere a little bit different. I watched David Cho read a phone book. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Isaac. So their family friend, cousin uh-huh. family uh, he's a cousin. Yeah, he's a cousin. Who's a degenerate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, the comic relief in the series, although um, adds some moral and kind of ethical complexity to the situation. Um, some of the avenues that he opens up for Danny um, to get potentially get ahead uh, to meet some of his goals, maybe and not so. Uh, morally upstanding ways, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but no, I just I think he's so, to me, he just seems like the definition of cool. Like, Oh, Isaac's like I a perfect. I want to go to the casino. I want to go to the casino with him. Yeah. Isaac's like a perfect villain. You know who he reminds me of is um, uh, Don Cheadle from out of sight, which is Ooh. to say that like, um, you know, Cheadle in that movie, like for about, you know, for almost like an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes, you're just kind of like, well, who is this guy? Is he just comic relief? Like he's, you know, like what's like, there's nothing to this guy. I don't understand like how he's this sort of feared gangster. And then the last like 30 minutes, like during the heist scene where they're trying to steal the diamonds, he's like the scariest dude in the room. And that's Isaac, right? Like he's 
comic relief until he's the scariest. Until dude. you don't until you don't have his money. Yeah, exactly. What's your best performance? Uh best performance is the two leads. It's uh Steven Yun and Ali Wong, who are just I mean, it, it, they they are the heartbeat of the thing. And I know it's like super obvious to say that they're the best performance, but I mean, it's just so it's so good the chemistry that they have with each other and you know and and the fact that they can go from being just you know absolutely evil to each other to actually tolerating each other to kind of being friends to then going back to being evil with each other again so then like you know kidnapping and stuff like it it gets really dark you know in places and you're just like oh my god like what's the next thing that's gonna happen yeah it's hard not to say them and you you hope that all the awards folks don't forget this show Mm, or that netflix doesn't let them forget it yeah i've never been able to describe this feeling inside of me but i think that's it that's 22. Right? It's like a void. But not, it's like empty, but solid. Yes, that's right, Daniel. Empty, but solid. Right under the surface. You think other people feel this way? I know George doesn't. June never does. Oh no. Maybe we're not normal. Or maybe normal people are just delusional. Either way, that's why I don't believe in God. What do you mean? Why would a God make it like this? Well, if God is everything, then we're God. That means God is just like us. Maybe that's why everything is the way it is. God's just trying not to feel alone in nothingness. You have never talked to anybody like this before. Me neither. I think we're dying. I think so, too. I see your life. You poor thing. All you wanted was to not be alone. You don't have to be ashamed. Let's go to theology corner. That's scary. It's scary in this corner. <laughs> Dark and lots of questions. So I got to tell you, what this show makes me think of is 
is basically one of the oldest religious concepts of all time, which is like, how do you break out of the cycle of human suffering? It's something that like the oldest of oldest, like religious communities that we know of in India and uh, the Middle East and Asia and Western culture and all different religions have tried to figure this out, right? Of like, how do I find forgiveness, reconciliation, and get out of a state of sin or suffering or death or whatever and get into nirvana, salvation, you know, paradise, whatever, right? I mean, it's like the oldest religious question, and it's absolutely what the show is about. Right. Or like, how do I feel better about being in a relationship with this person without killing them? Yeah. If that yeah. doesn't feel good. Like. <laughs> There's a part of this where the show really sort of advocates for like, well, the true religious person just breaks themselves off from humanity because humanity is just going to constantly drive you down and bring you back into the morass. Right. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the, the thing desert. is that we are Go we are awful desert. to each other as primates and that's that's kind of what we do. And uh and you know, we have this longing to be better, but at the end of the day, you have the opportunity to flip off the guy who just cut you off or go about your day. What are you going to do? And it's 50-50 that we flip the guy off <laughs> or pee on their floor. And then that, yeah, and then flipping off leads to peeing on floors, and it just keeps getting. You know, there's there are some great. There have been some great members of our species who have left us lessons about how to navigate this stuff, and we've built religions around them. But then we've taken that and used that as a weapon against somebody else. Mm -hmm. Which I'm not saying anything new, but you, I think you, or if we don't use it as a weapon, we use it as some other kind of social tool which is also kind of a, pr a primitive thing to do and i think that's you know on full display here and so there you kind of see this the way in which religion becomes this tool that people use to get ahead or to get to make connections or to get jobs mm -hmm. um, it made me reflect on my own you know uh upbringing and the way that my own religious experience was at times far more social than it was theological if it's a kind of cut it simply yeah i would yeah i mean you're so affected by the experiences that you have in these communities you know the great religious leaders you know recognize something that i think we all kind of recognize in ourselves which is that we can do better like we we can be better you know um as a matter of fact whatever presidential candidate uses that as their slogan in 2024 like we're better than this that's the person that i'm going to vote for right like we can be better you know we don't have to do like these dumb things that we do as human beings and that's what muhammad's trying to tell you that's what jesus is trying to tell you that's what buddha is trying to tell you right um and yet it's because we're human that we just give in to like what it is that I don't know, that frustrates us, that um, makes us feel great, that allows us to manipulate other people. You know, the the the, the incident that starts the show off, right, the, the principal incident is that 
uh, Stephen Young, Danny, uh, is having a horrible day with his construction business. He's like trying to return items at the Home Depot, basically, right? And he's not. It's a able little to shady. It's a little shady what he's yeah. returning. But- I mean, he's trying to cut corners, and it's just not working. Every, nothing is working, right? And here comes this woman in her car who cuts him off, and he honks his horn, you know, and it's like he, he, the better nature of Danny is to just let it go. And as soon as he sees that middle finger fly out of that window and up into his but face, it's, a- it's just it's just red, right? And, and it's any- middle finger... A middle finger out of a Mercedes G-Wagon. Right, exactly. Right. A middle finger not from someone who's rich, who's probably, you know, he's probably just come from a house where someone who's rich has, yeah, exactly. you know, exactly. just effed up his life. It's just, it's all of it, right? And it's like, you can't make your brain appeal to your better nature in that moment. Like, it just goes into the red. <laughs> it just goes... It just goes for, I'm going to chase down this woman and, you know, I don't know what, crash her car or something. You know, it's just, it's just what it means to be human. That happens to every one of us. I don't care who's listening to this. We, on us, we're not, most of us are probably not going to chase a person to their house, do all that kind of thing. That's why it's TV. But my gosh, we have those moments every day. Mm -hmm. And I am the worst. (laughs) <laughs> like I get set off so easy and I'm like, cause I'm not patience is not my virtue. I'm working on it, but it's taking too long. Right. Um, you know, that we had, that happens to us every day. And that, that to me is the hardest part about trying to claim an identity, like a faithful identity, mm-hmm. because I think that's such a part of it, right. Is to kind of cultivate this peaceful presence. And I so quickly fly off the handle. I mean, the word religion, I mean, it has a lot of roots, right? But but one of the roots that is probably mostly what it means, right, is this idea of binding. It's this idea of binding yourself, almost like ligament, like we use the word ligament, right? Like it's this um, religion. It's this idea of like you are you are binding yourself to a principle or to an idea or to a god or to a you know, a system of belief or something like that. And it's supposed to make you a better person. Right. But, you know, how, how can you bind yourself to a super version of you at all times? Like it is very, very hard, which is why the religious life is very, very hard, you know? Um, And this show just does such a great job of exposing like how we strive to be better and so frequently we just keep falling short and is this just a show, get into that cycle over and over again. I know you do really good work in your community, both uh, within and outside of content like this. I mean, you use film and is this something that you would watch with say teenagers in your community to, to talk about some of the things we're talking about? I think there, there are absolutely parts of this that I would recommend. I mean, you know, listen, I think that, you know, every, every kid is different. Every family is different. Like if you're comfortable with, you know, adult themes and language and stuff like that, you know, then yes, because like at the heart of this show is something really important 
for you to learn at a young age, which is that you can't control everything in everybody, right? Like um, at some point you've got to let it go in order to free yourself from just constantly getting into these cycles of doubt and regret and pain and suffering. I mean, there's a scene in the first episode of the show. I don't know if you remember it, but um, you know, it's, it's towards the end of the episode. Like you kind of get a sense that Danny's world is just out of control. He, he doesn't know what, what to do. His business is failing. He, you know, his brother is doing his thing. He's, he's disappointing his parents, like all of that. And there's the shot of Danny, like sitting on like the hood of his truck or leaning on the hood of his truck, like looking at a sunset and eating a hamburger and crying. Holy crap, man. Yeah. Like that is, that is what it is. Like that yeah. is humanity right there. Like so good. don't know what to do. I, bought a hamburger i'm gonna try to eat myself happy or something you know mm -hmm. it's just oh my god it's so good <laughs> that's the thing that's the beauty of the church scenes in this is that it, it seems so easy when everything's clicking you know when everything's working out perfectly amazing grace come on easy to believe and you know stand up there and do your praise songs and all of that stuff and when everything's falling apart like it's freaking hard right it's like the basketball game where you know danny's finally sort of getting an edge up on everybody else and his buddy who is married and you know the leader of the praise band at the church and all of that stuff like now his life is falling apart right and he's like now he's the one who's who's oh he's out you know succumbing to rage and violence and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Church is easy when everything's going great, <laughs> and it sucks when everything's not. You want to talk some industry corner? My favorite part of the show. <laughs> I don't have a tribute other than the fact that uh, this is one of the shows series that makes me feel like. Every time I want to delete and unsubscribe to Netflix, <laughs> comes out and I gotta watch it. That's right, this Netflix. Happened last, it happened this weekend with Tyrone. Like, yeah, I don't know what the. Th I mean, this Netflix been on is any sneaky, man. They are so sneaky. Now, the way that I was going with this was rather than talk about Netflix because we've talked about Netflix already. I kind of want to talk about A24 for just a second, because that's the production company that put this show out. And A24, you probably know from, you know, the better movies Anything that have been made. Anything good? 
that you've seen yeah. in the last 10 years. They probably have, if, you, if you've seen a good there. movie, yeah, if you've seen a good movie in the last 10 years, it was probably that in 2024. Yeah. <laughs> um no it's a it's a production company that's devoted themselves to just sort of quality product you know it's like um it's a pretty diverse uh group of films like i don't know let me um let me throw it in the google machine a24 movies um and see what the first so like moonlight ladybird um, but also things like Hereditary, The Lighthouse, and Best Picture winner from this year, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Like it just it's a production company that feels like they can do fantasy, they can do reality, they can do character drama, they can do metaverse like deconstruction of the world. Like I can't, I don't know that I have anything to add to that. I mean, they're we've worked with them, we've had the privilege of working for them with them. Um, on a couple of campaigns, uh, Moonlight, I think, kind of being the first one, and then Boys State, which is a great documentary they did. Oh, right yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, Skin. It's a great film that kind of came and went, unfortunately, but a great film about white supremacy and the dangers of white supremacy. And oh, and like how it scars you, right? So, like, yeah, because and I the think way and someone trying to come out from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody like, if you've that. marked yourself up with this, but now you want to go down a different path, like you carry those chains that you tied yourself yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, they, they're behind a beautiful film that is shot here in Mississippi, or was shot here in Mississippi, called "All Dirt, Dirt Roads Taste of Salt," which is an incredibly beautiful film that I would say kind of feels like it should be playing in a museum. Kind of, it's very art, very meditative and artistic, and not not very narrative driven, um, but just stunning work that is as different from everything, everywhere, all at once as a film could possibly be. Yeah, that, I mean that's the thing. It just feels like a production company that's on a heater, you know, like on a big win streak. And what I put as a comp in our notes is. Pixar in the late 90s and early 2000s, you know, there was that span where I think it was Brad Bird uh, was working on Incredibles, I guess, the first Incredibles movie with Pixar. And it was the first time that they had brought in an outside animator into the Pixar formula to like direct a movie for them. And there's a behind the scenes uh, doc where Brad Bird is talking to the Pixar staff and he's like you guys don't know what it means to lose I mean eventually you will <laughs> but like but like enjoy this like while you're on a run like this you've got to enjoy it and I feel like A24 is just one of those companies it's it, it's on like a solid run only well, like a couple of pitfalls here or there but otherwise like winning Oscars yeah, putting out good movies you know, yeah. And the cynical side of me would say, like, what define a winning streak? Because there's a lot of there are a lot of their movies that they release that are critically acclaimed uh, and and very successful in that regard, but don't perform well at the box office, right? Right. And kind of to kind of generate the income that you would need to to fuel that kind of machine, and maybe they're doing better than, and I'm sure they are than 
those those kinds of films would um, I mean, dictate. probably because it seems like the budgets for these movies have to be super low, or at least they feel pretty low. Yeah, unless they're yeah, unless they're buying them, you know, and right. what are they paying for them? And, um, but That's, to your point, they've had huge hits, like Everything Everywhere All at Once and Hereditary. Those are big movies. Yeah. That's one thing that, like, you know, as we record this, the writer strike is going on. The uh, SAG AFTRA strike is going on, and so it's hard to know, like, what what movies are going to look like, what streaming's going to look like, what any of that stuff is going to look like going forward, because you've got like you've got studios that are putting out bloated budget you know, mega movies like Indiana Jones or the flash and are getting no return. And then you have like little studios like a 24 and Blumhouse that are putting out like moderately budgeted movies, maybe like hundred million or under movies and getting either critical acclaim or profits off of them. And it just makes me think that like, it's a cycle, right? Because just like Hollywood in the 60s went to those big, you know, what, earthquake, Poseidon Adventure, you know, Cleopatra, like these massive budget, big spectacle movies. And then that gave birth to sort of the greatest movies ever in the 70s, like these quiet, you know, uh, taxi driver, dog day afternoon, you know, modest budget, but big idea, you know, movies. It just makes me wonder if like, that's what's around the corner in our future is like, okay, these big things aren't working anymore. So what are the smaller ideas that people are going to gravitate to going forward? And beef feels like it's in that vein, right? Where it's like, Okay, here's something interesting to watch for a change. Yeah, I just sent you a um, Twitter thread. I don't know if you're doing show notes, but you could drop this in the show notes because I think it's worth people's time to read. But from Mark Harris, who's a film historian and a film critic, and he's um, kind of looking back on this weekend, which Mm -hmm. as we record this, and Oppenheimer came out this weekend. And he's making an argument that you're making about is – not only is the writer strike and the actor strike, how is that going to shape this? But Oppenheimer and Barbie are both films that don't have a number behind them. Yeah. Yeah. It's an IP, but it's like not what you would ever think you could make a movie out of Oppenheimer's about the invention of the atomic bomb. So like these big ideas, but on, you know, not these $500 million, Budgets. I don't know what the budgets for those two movies were. I should look it up. Yeah. But anyway, he has a thread that, uh, and his is rooted in history, and he's saying some of the things that you're saying. So, if you have the ability to share that with folks, it's worth checking out. Yeah, totally. I don't know. I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, I think it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be hard to figure out going forward because it's like studios aren't gonna give back money. They're like they're they're gonna want like you know Bob Iger is gonna want to make his ten thousand dollars a minute or whatever it is that he makes right so like so if uh if actors and writers make more then that means disney plus costs more for consumers and you know around and around we go we just kind of figure it all out but yeah eat the rich 
Yeah, I just think uh, I just think make good stuff, make good small stuff with everything in camera rather than on a computer, and uh, and I'm happy, you know. <laughs> um. All right, let's spin the wheel. See what we get. I'm going to solve. All right. Corno curl cabinet. Okay. Uh, the wheel has come up uh, on me again. I think this may be my last show. I think the rest of them are yours. But it is my prime video show, which I had originally picked um, an old show on prime video called Forever. But I don't want to do that show anymore because I watched another show on Prime Video that I want to talk about instead, and that is the Underground Railroad. Uh, Barry Jenkins' uh, masterpiece okay. that he made okay. uh, a few years back. Really good. So I am picking the Underground Railroad as our next show. I've not seen it. So did you read I'm the ready. book? Did you get a chance no. to read the book? Okay. Olson Whitehead. No. Mm-hmm. I read uh I read his uh next his second or third book but not not that one. You know, speaking of A24, speaking of Moonlight, um this uh, this is one of Barry Jenkins like crowning achievements in my mind is this show. So I'll be excited to talk about it. So that'll be right. our next show is The Underground Railroad. Ryan, thanks for uh thanks for talking beef with me. I hope um I hope we're okay. I know that I cut you off on the way to the podcast here. So I hope we've squashed any we've had. All right. And very good. You know, all um, beef is squashed. Okay. All right. Cause when I, when I flipped you off and said those horrible things about your mom, I want you to know that like, you know, you were on mute. I didn't mean any, by of the it. way, I didn't hear any of it. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time. Take care.